Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. And I am Timothy Harvey. And we are here tonight after last week kind of uh, not being here <laughs> because everybody was... Uh, take sick days. Yeah. So, anyways, so we're back, and uh, good to be good to be here. We are live. We're broadcasting. It looks like we're broadcasting to um, Facebook. It looks like we're broadcasting YouTube and Odyssey. Facebook says your signal is too low. Um, so I don't know if Facebook's getting it or not, but I don't know. It's they're gonna want they're gonna want us to buy a virtual reality headset so we can do it in the metaverse, right? Uh, and and at that point is when I decide we're done with Facebook. I I'm I'm on the cusp of being done with Facebook anyway, so you know it's one of those things. You know, it, it, it's kind of like so. I, I we haven't we we threatened the big uh, Dune NFT discussion at one point which uh -huh. considering that that drama is still unfolding by the way right um so we may actually have to come back to that but this is this is the the issue i'm, I'm currently having with like crypto and nfts and and meta and all these things is that there's solutions in search of a problem right and and they they're not very good solutions for whatever problem they're trying to find I, I, I was I was looking today because I had to go on Twitter for work, and I checked in with a couple of the the people that I will occasionally see what these guys are up to, and there was a thread between an IP lawyer who's doing who's currently working on his doctoral thesis, so he's like studying this stuff, like he's like in the you know deep in, in in the weeds on this thing, yeah, and he's and he's been he's one of the people who's been following the the Dune NFT thing. But he got into this really long discussion between with a with a guy who's like, crypto is the future, and he's like he's a, he's big in this in the field. And one of the things that kept popping up is, yeah, but we can already do that. We, yeah. we crypto crypto doesn't help. It 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 makes it's a different way of doing it. Okay, but it's not a necessary different way of doing it. what i it doesn't find, solve a problem yeah what i find funny ironic i guess is you've got uh you've got a number of people <clears throat> who are part of that that cancel culture crowd who are looking at all of the different platforms that are going all in with nfts like twitter and and whatever other ones that are out there, YouTube doing NFTs, all these all these platforms are now doing NFTs, and they're shocked and surprised and betrayed, and how could they? And how dare they? And it's like, what 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 harm is there, and what damage is this doing? And what does it matter? Because well, you're, you're okay, buying so something that doesn't really exist, right? But <laughs> I mean. But the, the the issue for a lot of people, and this is one of the issues that I have, is that NFTs and crypto <clears throat> burns so much energy, <clears throat> and it make and because of the way that they actually create this stuff, it has made a shortage of video cards. <laughs> which, say, I want to, I don't know, upgrade a computer. Right. It's those video cards are more expensive now because somebody else is using from something they're not actually designed for that's it's it's not i mean it's it it works just fine for what they're doing yeah. and again i just i am all in favor of exploring new technology i think it's that's that's how that's how we advance in the universe and i, I think and there's i think i think you know virtual reality has been part of science fiction for ages right yeah but I think what? I think what one I think a couple of things that are going to come out of this NFTs are going to be the early to mid twenty first century pet rock. Oh, that's this, that's this the thing, one thing. This, it's a fad. It's, it's not even. It, you don't even have to go that recently. It's it's tulips. <laughs> it's the whole tulip bust thing. Um, <clears throat> what uh, 1700s, 1600s, 58, some I can't remember what. No. what 
but hundreds of years ago, there was a, uh, tulips became uh, the prestige item to mm -hmm. have, and right. it basically bankrupted the country. And and the thing is, is that right now, because all these things are touted about how you know there's there's no regulation. It's like okay, there's a problem there because what we're seeing is so much of this stuff is being used for scams and uh, money laundering and uh, people are losing millions of dollars in this thing day after day after day. Um, there are, there's a, I can't remember the name of the website, um, but it basically, it's like, this is, this is the news, big news out of crypto today. And yeah. it's like day by day. And it's like, this company raised $300 million and then they shut down and disappeared with the money. Yeah. I mean, that's a problem guys. I mean, the cool technology is cool technology. And I, I'm again, big fan of cool, new, exciting technology, but a, it needs to, it needs to do something that benefits in some way and not just a group of people who are getting the money and running. Mm -hmm. And that's what well, that, that's what all this feels like to me I, right now. I gotta say though, I, I, yeah, I turned on cause I use brave as my primary browser and they've got, they've got sure. a crypto component called brave rewards where basically they'll pop up some ads. You see the ads and, and you're earning crypto, right? And, uh, for the month of January, I think I earned four, $4 and 86 cents. I don't know what, well, where they're coming from. I don't know what that's going to do, but I, I mean, to me, I see if I'm if I'm going to be earning some kind of revenue from watching ads, it's not any different from Google ads dropping commercials in the middle of our shows on YouTube because well, and, we get paid for that, too. I don't see that there's necessarily an issue with that, but I do see an issue with um, when. Uh, call me old fashioned, but if I want to buy a mug, yeah, I buy the mug and I have, I have a tangible thing I'm holding in my hand. Right. I do not have not just purchased a receipt that says I own the mug, but this is all I have. But, but you bought a star, Tim. That's <laughs> NFTs, folks. This is this is an NFT. Yeah. Um, so I mean, again, yeah. and, uh, potentially, okay. There are people who've made money at this, and there are artists who have made money of this, and and and. But that's if fine. you're an artist and you're selling your art as an NFT, why not just sell the art? I mean, what 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 benefit do you get from selling? A representation of the product that you've just made. But it's the thing, the thing there is that if there's someone willing to pay for that, then by all means, sell them the receipt. Just... However, this is what we're also seeing is you have sites like OpenSea where mm -hmm. they have so much stolen art yeah. is on OpenSea and it's stole, it's other people's art that has been stolen and is being sold as NFTs. And that's wrong. Yeah. Well, it's just and, wrong. and I know Terry Beatty is, has been very consistent and very outspoken uh, with regard to fake artwork that keeps showing up on eBay. Um, I'll see him posting on Facebook a number of different times. I mean, there's some fake Charles Schultz or some fake Bill, uh, Bill Waterston. Um, and he's posting, he, he's constantly posting various different users that are, that are trying to pass off fake Jack Kirby, fake Steve Ditko mm -hmm. and all of that. And he's like, watch out for these guys and they're reporting them there. He's very diligent about that. So, yeah, I mean the, the biggest, the, the, for all the fact that I, I disagree with how crypto and, and, and NFTs are actually made leaving that aside, even if they were 100% like energy neutral, but they, at they some point, at some point, the technology is going to get better though. Well, the technologies, I'm sure the technology, the technology should get better, but even then, because it really isn't regulated, it's, it's such a place for scams. It's such a place for, for unethical behavior. And I'm, I'm constantly amazed at the number of people who, who seem to think this is like 
Web three is the future. It's like, yeah, is it though? <laughs> is it? I mean, it's a future. No. Um, which I think leads us into our actual topic. Which because is history. alternate futures are also an example of continuity lockouts. Well, and I think uh, I think the 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 funny part is you know you look at futures and and alternate futures and and I want to shout out to to Christopher and Dave and what about all all of you in the chat? Good to see you there. Okay. Um, he, you you look at uh, a history of a thing. You know, you, you talk about alternate futures and alternate realities and different universes and whatnot. And when we talk about continuity lockout. And I guess this is, is this a term that we came up with or is this something that's out no, there? No, it exists. I mean, it, it's okay. out there. It, it, it's a, I mean, it, we've, I, I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you the first time I heard it. Yeah. But, but the, it, the idea definitely... that, you know, there's so much, you, you want to get started in a brand new franchise that you haven't experienced before, whether it's a series of books or uh, a bunch of movies, or a bunch of TV shows, or a whole story universe, and and you you keep hearing about this Star Wars thing. What's this Star Wars thing? And we're going to look at it. It's like trying peanut butter for the first time. Which one do you start with, right? And oh, uh, chunky. <laughs> I mean, well, is there is, is there are there is there another kind of peanut butter? No, I I, <laughs> I don't think that there is. Um, but the you know I even I even discussed this in my review of of the latest Honor Harrington book because to end in fire is a culmination of so many different story threads from probably a good ten or fifteen books mm-hmm. finally all coalescing into here's where we are now and if you were to open that book first and start reading it you'd have absolutely no idea what was going on i mean you could right. you could sure. catch up there's enough in the in the in that book that you could kind of know what's going on but there's so much history there's so much backstory by the time you get to book number 25 and if you haven't read them all and and i i did this when the when the book was first announced i thought okay I'm going to, oh, Dave says the stream is frozen. I've got a green light here. I think we're going to, I think it's going to, it's going to be one of those things that's going to hit and miss, I think. It's it's uh, moving on my end. Okay, yeah, I, I've got it, I've got it okay here. So, uh, no, we're back. Okay. I don't, right. I don't understand why this is doing this. Anyway, anyway, all right, so you've got all this history. So when the book was first announced, I said, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to start at the very, very beginning on Basilisk Station, I'm going to read all the way through and get to that point. And I thought, man, there's a, there's really a lot. And I'd forgotten how many books there is or right. there are to get to this point. And now I've got this book and I've, I can finally read it. And it's not the story I'm expecting, but it still moves everything forward. So, I OK, right. there's at least one more, probably two more books that come after this. But you look at something like Star Wars or Star Trek. You know, uh, and and one of the things that a lot of people have talked about with regard to Star Wars, or especially Star Trek in some ways, not quite as much. But Star Wars, every generation has an entry point. For our generation, it's the original trilogy. For the generation that came afterwards, it's the prequels. And then you have Clone Wars, and then you have Rebels, and then you have the sequel trilogy and you've got bad batch and you got Mandalorian and book of Boba Fett now. So every generation has their entry point into what they see is star Wars, but you get somebody that comes in and says, I've never watched a star Wars. What's what, which, which one do I start with? And you know, you've got all sorts of different watch orders and the machete order and this order and that order and the flashback order. And you just watch them, watch them as they came out and all of that. And I kind of like, I don't think this is the machete order, but if you did Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and then the prequels as the flashback, Mm. once you have the reveal of of who Darth Vader is, now you can go back to that story 
and then you come back to Return of the Jedi as the last one. So I guess, I don't know if that's, I think that's a modified machete order, I think. Because uh, you could do those, you could do those six, and then you know that's how you do. And you could even do without the Phantom Menace to start with. You know, some people think you could just do away with that one altogether. I don't think you should, but you anyway. But with Star Trek, you know, you've got Next Generation, you've got Deep Space Nine, you've got Enterprise, you've got Voyager. They're all completely different kinds of shows. You have the original series, you've got the animated series, and now you've got Picard and Discovery and Lower Decks and, and yada, yada, yada. So where do you start? Because it's very overwhelming. It's like we've talked about before, you know, paral- the, the paralysis of choice. You've got too many options. Right. Where do you begin? Because like think, with think- Doctor Who, you don't want to start at the very beginning. Well, so it, it gets interesting because when it comes, and you, you know, talking about the Honor Harrington books, I'm currently doing something very similar with the Laundry series from Charles Strauss, British author. Um, cross the Lovecraft, Lovecraftian monsters with bureaucracy uh, and uh, and spies, and it's a very very clever series. Um, but and if you look at like the first three novels in the series, you could. I mean, there's an order to them yeah. and they build on the previous things. But if you were dropped into like the third book without reading the first two, he explains what's going on. And so you could you could catch up and then you should go, oh, wait, there's other books in this series. I'm 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 jumping in the middle. Well, now there's like nine books in the series. Mm-hmm. And then there's a new trilogy, maybe four books now. Uh, he's not sure. Um which takes place after the original series, which isn't done yet because he had to scrap his original ending <clears throat> because it lined up in the real world when Brexit happened, hmm. which means that his plot point had to change, which means that it completely changed how he was going to end his book. <laughs> so it's, it's complicated. Right. And the stories are very complicated at this point. So what I was doing, because the, the, the new book in the series just came out, in January, January or December. And so I went back and I was listening to the audiobook version. So just kind of reminding myself how much I like this series. And that's what happens with book series, right? Because if you, most book series, um, there are certainly book series that are standalone. Uh, uh, they're, they're in a broader universe kind of thing, right? So right. you can, you know, each, each book really stands alone, but it's like, it, uh, uh, I'm, and, I'm sure someone will correct me, like the Animorph series for kids, right? So they're all set in the Animorphs universe, but you don't necessarily need to read all of them. Right. But if you get to something like Eleanor Harrington or or this the the Star Trek novel series that just ended, um, which was a big one big continuity right. that fed into each other. Um, you get into comic book series, novel series. There's and and this is why we had the the big ex- the the er example of the reboot crisis on infinite earths mm-hmm. is because dc had so much continuity that they were like oh wow okay nobody's got a jump jumping in point right um without going all the way back to the beginning and and the, and the star trek novels uh, they weren't that way until after voyager went off the air right and I think it was somewhere around 91 or 92 uh, when they decided to to start because there weren't any shows and we didn't have we nobody knew if we were ever going to get any more Star Trek ever again because, you know, Bad Robot hadn't happened yet. And mm-hmm. so we have uh, we have this almost a wilderness period for Star Trek where they said, OK, well, you know all bets are off. Why not? And, and they started this, this continuity of story that started, um, I want to say it started with a deep space nine book. Right. Because what they, what they decided they were going to do was they were going to continue telling the story. Yeah. The show might be off the air, but that doesn't mean the story has to end. So, 
And then everything started weaving in and out, and the characters started jumping back and forth, and suddenly right. it was just Star Trek. It wasn't Deep Space Nine. It wasn't it wasn't Enterprise or anything like that. It was just somewhere in there. They just started calling it Star Trek, and they'd give you a title for the arc, you know, mm-hmm. Destiny or uh, Fallen Heroes or you know whatever whatever the three four in the books those stories were going to do. And then the next thing came and the next thing and the next thing. And they finally, and it lent itself, they just it lent ended itself that. well to that because yeah. you had next generation and discover uh, next generation and deep space nine and, 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 Voyager, and Voyager all in essentially the same continuity already. Yeah. They existed essentially at the same time. So yeah, there you go. Um, George R. R. Martin. Um, right. <clears throat> And so you could do that. You could have that kind of crossover. And then, of course, they had, you know, the um, uh, they they had their original characters they developed for that series. They were able to expand and, and do different things outside of the, the TV series characters. Um, and but if you were going to tell someone to start reading Star Trek novels, you would run into the fact that at this point they're doing what television had been doing for a very long time. When 24 came out, Murder One, um, yeah, you know these these were shows that if you jumped in three episodes in, you had missed story, mm-hmm. and you had to play catch up at a time when it was a lot harder to play catch up than it is now. You couldn't binge 24, right? You couldn't binge. I mean, the DVD, the 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 VHS or the DVD would eventually come out, but it wasn't something you could sit down on the weekend and just watch episodes on your on your laptop or whatever. Um, and you had a show like Farscape, where they were trying to do this, you know, long form storytelling, and the studio was saying, you know, Sci Fi Channel was saying, "You can't do that." Yeah. And they're like, y- "Yeah, we can." And they're like, <laughs> "No, you can't." Fine. And so and so there was a a fan disliked. A very vocal uh, portion of fandom that was uh, fans of the show who were looking at that jumping on point in what season three, where where I think it was season three, where John was on his own mm-hmm. and introduced uh, uh, Sputnik and 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 he was separated from the rest of the crew and it was kind of like here's here's your new jumping on point and the writers and producers of the show were like we don't want this yeah but they didn't have a choice so well and i think with with star trek novels for me if i'm going to recommend to somebody of of a star trek novel to, re- to read i'm going to go back to that golden era the pocket books of the 80s and 90s you know, and and mm-hmm. because they're all mostly standalone, they don't affect continuity anywhere else. They're not they're not tied into anything. You don't have to read one in order to understand another duh, right. another. And then you go in and pick your favorites. You know, mm-hmm. yesterday's son is it was would be the first one that I that I'd recommend to anybody is is that one. Doctor's Orders is another one. The Klingon Gambit. My Enemy, My my Ally. My Enemy, My Ally. Anything by Diane Duane. Anything by Diane Carey. Um, I would say, and and I I know you and I have disagreed about this, but the John M. Ford novels, um, because, I mean, and you you have the very serious, out of continuity now, um, uh, The Final Reflection. Right. That was, was an excellent book. So it's it, long before the, the the movies and the TV shows tried to give us the Klingon backstory. This is pre Next Generation. Yeah. Um, John Ford, John M. Ford, uh, a greatly missed, really fantastic writer, um, who has a final cr- book coming out. Yeah, I know. And it's Isn't a fantasy great? book. Um, and he he basically gave a created a backstory for the Klingon Empire. Yeah, and it's it, 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 while it's not continuity, it's a great novel. Well, and some of and that, some of that got incorporated into Deep Space Nine. They started, they started pulling yeah, some of yeah, that in there well, with Core, because because the the writers of that show loved the book too. Yeah, and as much as um, you know, I 
I really appreciated how much for just the planet um, because it start it's Star Trek as 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 slapstick comedy in in a, in a way that I think with with the characters actually being true to themselves. I know, um, which I think which I was very entertained by. Yeah, that one. Because, that one. I read it and I thought, why Star Trek as Gilbert and Sullivan? It just it just to me it just doesn't work. But you know, I, it, it it amused me greatly, and I think he I think it's a testament to the quality of of his skill as a writer that he he managed to make it work as well as it does. I I may I may at some point go back and read it again now that I'm older, but um I don't I don't know it, that I I don't I don't know how much I'd appreciate it's it. It's not what you that. expect because it's not. I mean, you're not you're not getting your standard Star Trek novel yeah. at all, and. And yet, I think he captures the voice of the characters extremely well. He understands those characters um, in the original crew. If you're yeah. not familiar with the book, folks, but call um, me call me Ishmael would be another one. Yeah, um, yeah. there's there's because, a lot of, and they were exploring. So um, they were exploring in in a lot of ways because there was. It was still early days of Star Trek continuity. Yeah. Well, and, and even some of those Bantam novels, mm. you know, the you know Spock Must Die by James Blish, you know, th- those those novels, the Galactic Whirlpool from David Gerald, some of those yeah. are some of those are pretty good, and some of those, some of them not so much, not so much. But the thing is, is that there were there were very few rules because there was wasn't that much continuity so yeah authors were had the chance to explore and play and because we weren't so connected to the idea of this has to be continuity mm-hmm. that if you didn't like this novel by this writer you were like all right fine just oh here's a better one that i like better yeah. and and it was it was less of a thing because there you didn't, you know, this was in that period where you just had the motion picture or, you know, and the original series and the animated series, and that was it. Yeah. I I have to apologize to everybody tonight. I don't know why YouTube is giving us such problems. Uh, everything, everything seems to be freezing up on all the different platforms. So uh, hopefully in Yay. replay it doesn't do that, but... Uh, See, it's it's <sighs> it's flowing well over here out of the corner of my eye on on my screen. So. Yeah, I I got a I got a pop up over here on YouTube. Is you're not getting enough signal. Mm. But anyway, you look at you look at uh, uh, now you have, and this is this is the upside and the downside of getting more of the stuff you like. So you've got more Star Trek content. It is. It is 2022, mm. and you've actually got a lot of Star Trek content. It's 2022, you have a lot of Star Wars content. It's 2022, you've got so much DC content and Marvel content that yeah. DC has rebooted their universe several times since Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was supposed to solve the continuity snarl. Yes. But. Yeah. No. Part of the problem there, and part and, and it, it's built in with television series and and anytime you're doing a, a a film series, is that continuity cannot be avoided. If you if if you're if you're interested in, in having consistency of any kind, right? Right. If, if if every story is standalone, then you're fine. Yeah, you and know? anthology stories. But that's not how we consume entertainment. Right. overall and consequently if you publish 12 issues of a comic and then two years later you publish that that it's, a, it's just a 12 issue series and then someone starts a new series with those characters 12 you know two years later people are still going to remember that comic from two years ago and if you do something completely different they're going to go what are you doing yeah what do you what are you doing to my characters over there um and so that's not so that's not how it generally happens it does happen but it's not you know the norm and with a television show you know once once genre fiction really leaned into sequential storytelling on tv try and jump into lost the middle of season two 
Mm-hmm. Well, try to jump into Lost anytime past the first three episodes. Yeah. Um, and you're going to just be floundering because it's a not, and, and that, because that's a show that leaned into non linear storytelling. Right. Which, if you're not paying attention, that could be a yeah. that could be an issue. Um, Christopher's got an interesting question. I'm not sure I'm clear on on what he's asking here. Can there be something that is successful in continuity that isn't considered canon? Um, yes. Okay. So the Star Wars universe is dealing with this right now mm. because um, you know the the folks who are who are running the universe right now. The expanded universe was a thing that was going on when we didn't have additional movies, right? There was no right. star, there was no Star Wars content. So you got the you got the uh, extended universe, right? Right. You got characters like Mary Jade. You got Thrawn. You got all these things, <clears throat> and they come along and they're like, "Okay, that's that's all well and good, but it's not the continuity we're going to be working with. We're going to streamline everything." And to some degree. I completely understand that because that had gotten so big. Right. And it had carried the story forward and they had made choices within that story to have relationships change, children be born, characters die. So on a, on a purely pragmatic level, I could 100% get it. Yeah. It may, it is a, on a pragmatic level. It makes a lot of sense. Not necessarily a fan favorite choice, but I get the logic. Here's where things aren't so clear cut because now we hear we're getting Thrawn mm-hmm. and we're getting some of these other characters are going to be part of this current continuity, which is fine. It's absolutely great. Pick and choose the stuff you want to use. Great. Bring it back into continuity. Doctor Who did this. Um, you know, it, that, that's, that, uh, we're talking about, you know, bringing, bringing some of, uh, the final reflection into continuity. Um, you know, th- that's great. Um, and so I think that when you think about canon and continuity, a lot of it tends to when and who is using the property Mm, yeah because sometimes you know uh battlestar galactica the the reboot it is a completely different continuity with a similar canon broad strokes big beats right right details are different um but in both universes the Cylons, there's supposed to be a peace treaty and the Cylons betray them and Baltar right. is responsible. See, and I, da, 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 da. I think, uh, and I guess, I guess part of that is you have to, you have to, to make your distinctions clear when you're talking about the difference between continuity and canon, because canon yep. for a lot of people canon is especially for things like like star wars or star trek is if it's in a tv show or a movie then it's canon and the books and the novel you know the novels the comic books and and all of that other stuff is not the gold key comics yeah you have you have continuity with the shows and you have to adhere to the canon of the shows and everything that you do in the books uh, even even you know with the pocket books, one of the rules for the Star Trek novels was at the end you can't do any major changes to the canon that we see on television or in the movies because you know the the books don't affect the filmed media. Right. And, you know, you had this now when you're know, like you're talking about with the EU and Star Wars when Disney took over. And they said we're going to pull this this story group together, and now everything's going to be canon, including the comic books and the novels and the video games and the whatever else you know, TV shows and whatnot. Now it's all canon. But you trip yourself up when you make a movie that 
doesn't work from a story standpoint and you have to say, well, read the novel, it'll explain it. And sure. go read yeah. this comic book. It'll it'll give you the backstory so you understand what's in this film. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how that's supposed to work. Well, and you you run into the same problem with something like the Marvel Universe and their TV shows. Yeah. And Agents of Shield, of course, is is the prime example of that. That a show that was so locked into the continuity of the of the movie series that Except, it lost half its viewership in the first six episodes. Yeah. Well, except except that wasn't the only problem that that show had. Because no, it wasn't. If if you listen to the stories of the behind the scenes politicking that was going on at the time, where Feige was sitting there going, "I don't want to have anything to do with Ike Perlmutter and the story group," and because they had a story group too, mm-hmm. and you had the the television side of things, and you had Feige doing the movies, and and Feige finally threw his hands up and said, "I'm done unless you put me in charge of it all, and I don't answer to anybody except Alan Horn." Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not I'm not doing story by committee anymore. That's killing us. And and once once that kind of, that separation kind of happened, you know, you had Agents of Shield went off and did their own thing, and you've got the Netflix shows doing their own thing, and the movies are doing their own thing. And now, like like with the EU with Star Wars, you're picking and choosing the different pieces you're bringing back. You know, mm-hmm. with, you know, D'Onofrio coming back as the Kingpin and Charlie Cox coming back as, as Matt Murdock. Are they the same characters from the Netflix shows? We don't know that yet. It's the same actors, would, but it doesn't necessarily be, mean it's the same one because Loki gave us variants. Well, right? yeah, they have established there is a multiverse. Yeah. So I think it's because quite frankly, I think I really thought that D'Onofrio's kin, Kingpin was played broader in Hawkeye than he was in yeah. the Daredevil show. I would agree. And I, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's, uh, he, he's, he's great. And he plays the character beautifully. I, I'm a big fan of his version of Kingpin. He very, and I love the fact that it's it, even more so in Hawkeye, they shot him from below. So he just looks huge. Mm, right. They really, they, they they really did a good job of, of making him look gigantic, which is great. Um, but because you can have that that alternate universe thing, you can go and play with something, and then just kind of go, okay, now we're going to come back over here, and do it over here with this thing, and 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 you can bring those folks in, which is great because I think that some of those, you know, seeing those versions of the characters. Because I mean, there were some really good Netflix Marvel shows. I'm still, I still maintain that Jessica Jones was the best. Daredevil was right behind it, like hair's breadth. I mean, these these were, yeah. I think these were two really really well made shows. Season um, three of Jessica Jones was not as good. Fair, fair, but considering the considering the the TV market we have these days, two really good seasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's but I and I think and I really like I really liked uh, um, Luke Cage. Um, although I think it was like two episodes too long, and they left it in a really weird place. And and you you're like, oh man, if we could just get one more season to get him out of that, you know? I know, um, because I think I think they cast that show extremely well. I think I think it was a I think it's a very strong series. But then of course, unfortunately, you had. Um, um, you know, Defenders and and Iron Fist, which just I'm mean, okay. Defenders solved, and I air quote for the folks who are just listening to the show, um, some of the problems of of Iron Fist. Yeah, but not enough because that would have involved uh, recasting and better and and actually having having time to do fight choreography. I saw a thing. Uh, one of the one of the the fight choreographer for for Iron Fist was asked how long they actually had to train the actors to do the to do the fight scenes. Yeah. That day. Oh wow! It was the day of the shoot. That could be a problem. It was a problem, and it showed on screen. Yeah. 
that the, I mean, the, wow. the, the people who were the people who were, uh, uh, you know, quite rightly complaining about the the fight scenes. You, you had a show like Daredevil where they really leaned into the power of the fight scene um, and the intensity of it. And then you have a show about a martial artist and the fight scenes are notably less impressive where they should be the opposite. Right. And and the folk you can tell the folks who already had that training on Iron Fist. You can tell the folks who've come with the skill. And you can also very much tell the folks who don't. Because yeah. for to give everybody, the every actor on that show the benefit of the doubt, every every person doing a fight scene on the show the benefit of the doubt, a day's worth of training for a fight scene is never enough. Yeah. It's not safe. It's not, uh, you're not going to end up with good quality sequences. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a real issue for the show and yeah. it showed, I mean, it's, there's a reason it's people were, were like, what's happening here. Wow. Not to mention, to mention they shot a lot of things in the dark. Yeah. That's always, that's always a problem for me. Fight scenes, <clears throat> fight scenes shot in the dark, dress two people in black. And then yeah. have them fight in the dark, or or fight scenes where the camera is right in in your face in the fight, and was like, okay, no, 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 let me see the fight, please. Back so off. one of the things one of the things with with and this is we're doing an interesting digression that's like sort yeah. of in the same place. You go over to to Asian uh, movies and 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 fight scenes and and a lot of them are shot very wide. So it's full body motion, yeah. full. So you're watching both characters at the same time yeah. interact with each other. And um, the American, the current trend of quick cuts and tight shots for things doesn't allow you to see the complete physicality. Right. If you were to watch, okay, okay, uh, um, Jackie Champ. Okay, so many of his his fight sequences are acrobatic. Yes, because here's a newsflash: he was trained as an acrobat. I mean, that's he's, he's got the, he's got the skill set. But can you imagine watching that stuff if it was mid shots or close ups? If you see him flipping through the air and sliding through a, a, a ladder, the rings of a ladder. Yeah. Okay, that shot only works because you can see him run jump and you see it was a physical thing that really happened and it's all in one shot it's one shot right? it's one shot so, and that and so the, the challenge the 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 reason that we all love that daredevil shot the hallway even fight. though yeah even though that hallway fight is two actors charlie cox and the stunt person every time they move out of camera shot they're switching yeah. So you every so anytime you can see Charlie's face, it's Charlie. Anytime you can't, it's the stuntman, and it's a beautifully choreographed shot because they they go into a room off the mm -hmm. hallway, and Charlie is stays in the room, and the stuntman comes out and does, and it's, it's yeah. beautifully choreographed. Yeah, it's a great it's a great shot. But if you don't do that mm -hmm. with the other shows and you don't give them the time to yeah. do the and and bringing this back around to continuity you're into something like the new 52 with dc where they're like okay we, we're gonna do it we're gonna do another continuity reboot we're gonna we're gonna you know everything started five years ago the entire dc universe started five years ago right. it doesn't make any sense we're gonna do it that way anyway um <clears throat> And yet, if you're going to do that with that many characters, you can't do what DC did, which is they didn't have a plan. Right. They didn't have they didn't have the the, the editorial and creative teams of these various comics working together to build this universe. Yeah. This well, new version. And and even worse than that, you had you had George Perez on one Superman book. And you had Grant Morrison on another Superman book. And Morrison wasn't talking to anybody about what he was doing on the book. And Perez finally threw up his hands and quit and said, 
I, I can't work this way because I have no idea where where he's going with his. Right. You can't you cannot do that if you're gonna if you're gonna create a new universe and you're not the only person creating it. Yeah. If you're doing it with a team, the team has to talk to each other. And it I'm not saying that if they did, that new fifty two would have worked because they made a lot of creative choices right. that weren't necessarily popular. Um, and, but, you know, that's, that's also how, that's also how comic books have always been. Somebody makes a creative choice that people don't like, and then they reboot the comic. Yeah. Um, but, or they just give you a new number one with a variant cover. Well, but see, the thing is, is that the, the new number ones is again, going to be one of those ways they're trying to address continuity lockout Yeah. is here's, here's your jumping on point for the new thing. I mean, I, I think the the current run of Iron Man is on issue eleven, yeah, or something. It's like well, he's uh, been dead, so you know, there's there's that little times. interruption in in service. So, but this is also, I mean, they they basically took him off planet for this run. So his entire this he's been out in the universe, yeah. right? He's been so it's almost it's it's a very different feeling series than the, than the Iron Man series prior to it. Um. Which is, you know, okay. Yeah. Mattoween says, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the Marvel continuity canon discussions. I think I think the continuity and canon discussions for the MCU probably would be more interesting because I don't think those conversations are being had at Marvel Comics. I don't think I don't think just given given the discussions that I've seen and the commentary that I've seen online and the various different people talking about what Marvel and DC are doing these days, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of faith in the editorial department at either publisher at this point. See, I'm not I'm not sure why that is, because I'm actually enjoying quite a bit from both companies that is out right now. Well, they've, they've been there's some stuff they've taken some chances on and there's some stuff that's really really old school i'm not i mean i people like can like what they like but i think both companies are putting out some really good books right now well, I don't whether know, or not when, people are when, reading them as another story uh, yeah see I that's the my, other thing because i have my tastes right they're the things that i like when so, but, when all of your when all of your top selling dc books 48 out of 50 of them are batman and welcome, not welcome very many of them see for the last 20 years not that bad not that close bad. to that bad what's it's the same problem marvel had when when everything was all wolverine all the time i mean this is this is something that we just see from 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 companies the 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 character that is the most popular character gets all the titles see the thing with it is though it's i remember smart. growing up no i i cuz i remember in the 70s and, and 80s you had I mean, Superman had how many titles? Yeah, especially oh, sure. after after new uh, after uh, Crisis, he had he had four, and then you had Justice League. You had Justice League International. You had Batman. You had Batman and the Outsiders. You had Detective Comics. You had Action Comics. All of the well, different things. I mean, Wonder Woman had her own book. You've got the New Teen Titans. You got the Legion of Superheroes, and all of those books were selling copies. You were selling those; those books were being were selling in the comic book shops. Now you have all of these all of these titles that are out there that aren't selling anything. In in well, but the, except that we the only are, aren't we still at the same place where we, we nobody knows what digital sales really are. That's correct. Yeah, we don't know anything so, about digital. So the problem is is that until we know what digital sales are, the physical. I mean, as much as you and I like the physical thing yeah it's the fact is is that people do read these things on their tablets and on their laptops and until we have those numbers we don't know what the numbers actually are you can extrapolate and you I'd, can guess, I'd be hard and you can predict i'd be hard pressed to believe that the digital sales are momentously more than the physical but again i think we run into the problem no maybe not but I think we also ran into the problem that just like we talked about two weeks ago, um, sometimes the only game in town, I mean, if you, if, if, if your introduction to the Marvel universe is the movies, mm -hmm. 
that doesn't translate into making you a comic book fan because right. the comic books aren't the MCU. And I personally don't think that you should make the comics identical to the TV and film versions because no. they're a different medium, right? But and, if but if you're going to go in and you watch a movie with Thor Odinson, mm-hmm. and if, and and I've I've said for years this is a this is a complete missed opportunity on the part of the Marvel Studios because if it were me, I'd have a kiosk in every movie theater lobby with a, a handful with a sampling of comic books. Hey, you just watched the film. Here's the book. Sure. But you couldn't even do that because you go off and you look at the at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you've got Thor Odin's son and you go find the book and it's Jane Foster. And or and, you go and, or and you Bruce go, Banner to Amadeus Cho. And, and or you and go like, or you go twenty years ago and it was Beta Ray Bill. Or it was Eric Masterson. It doesn't. There have been more than one person who has been Thor. Depending on when the film came out, it would have it would have been the same situation. And it's that's. I mean, here's the risk: is the movie is going to be a thing you go see and then you buy it and then you own it. The comic is a thing that's going to come out every month. Yeah, and you have to have a new story every month. And you can't tie you can you can connect these things in various ways but if you tie them too tightly together you end up with the first season of agents of shield where things are so tied together yeah you have handcuffed your writers to the point where it just doesn't work well and i'm not saying that the the comic books have to have to be exactly matching to the movies but if i go into the comic book shop and i'm expecting to see tony stark as iron man because I just went to the movies and I saw Tony Stark as Iron Man, there should at least be one book, maybe two, that has Tony Stark as Iron Man, not Riri Williams stole in, in a stolen Iron Man suit. Who is well, this I person? Mean, I have no I have no context for this person. But that was a very tiny window of time when that was happening. I know, but it was happening on every character. Thor well, and Captain again, America and that, Captain Marvel and all of them, all of them switched all at once. It was it was a, a period of, well, they're trying, of they're two trying, months they're, where everything got changed. Yeah, yeah, because they were trying to avoid continuity lockout by inventing new characters and but new mantle I know, carriers. And I know, but like at that. the same time, you're you're missing a, a you're missing an opportunity to get new readers to your books from coming in from the movies. But you the idea that you're going to have the kind of coordination with a movie release schedule and a comic book release schedule ignores the fact that that's not how it works well and i'm not saying again i'm not saying that the stories have got to match up it doesn't have to matter i never said that all but i'm saying is yeah, look i know that there's an iron man movie coming out in march so we need to have an Iron Man story in March on the shelves so when people go see Iron Man in the theaters, they could go to the comic book shop and they pick up an Iron Man book. It doesn't have to be the only Iron Man book. It can be one of half a dozen Iron Man stories, but one of, them's get, one not, of them needs to I be Tony Stark. I am not going to defend Marvel from poor decisions. They, I, I remember the nineties. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Right. And, and quite frankly, I will take, I will take almost, there's, nah, there's some Marvel stuff I'm not enjoying right now. Um, but I'll take most of what Marvel is putting out over the crap they're, they were grinding out in the nineties. There's the, the people, people complain about the current state of comics. It's like, Oh guys, were you around <laughs> in the nineties? I have some news. Yeah. They may not be selling as many copies, but the problem was is that it was all variant covers and and I, I mean, you know, I, I own, I think, three copies of that X-Men number one. I um, have the you talking about the one with the, the Jim Lee cover? I have fifty of them in a box. I don't have I I, I didn't go that I I I inherited. I, not... them. I I ended up with them. My 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 first wife's father had them, because he picked them up. You know, he was a, he was a big baseball cards uh, collector, and mm-hmm. he had picked these up, thinking that they had some value, and and they might eventually, 
Um, you know, it could if very well be fire. Well, it could very well be that in in fifty years, I could have the only fifty copies on the planet, and I'm could set. Be. I'm set for life. You may be, but I'm going to be skeptical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I am not going to claim that I was <clears throat> had foresight when I sat there and went, I don't need a bunch of different covers of the same comic. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have enough money to justify yeah. buying a bunch of different covers of the same comic. And I thought it was kind of dumb, but I'm like, okay. I mean, that's kind of cool. I wish I could, I wish I could buy five copies with these, these five great artists, but that's just not in the budget. And now it's like, well, you just dodged a bullet. Yeah. I well, mean, and there's a couple of them there. There are a few on the DC side of things when, when you had, Superman 50, you know, as as the new thing. And Action Comics 1000. I mean, that was that was the big thing when they did New 52. I was just flabbergasted that they would take away my chance to get Action Comics 1000. And when they when they did Rebirth and they said we're resetting the numbers and we're going to get Action Comics 1000 and Detective Comics 900, I thought, "Okay, I I'm good. I'm good. I'll buy I'll buy my copies." And I'll I'll save them, and I've got one to read, and I got one to put away, you know. And and sure. those milestone issues, you know, the death of Superman, sure. or or you know those kind of things, where you have that that particular issue has some meaning and value outside of just what's in the story. Mm-hmm. I might buy a a second copy, right? But I'm not going to buy all 25 variant covers that Marvel puts on the shelf. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, I just I have never uh, variant covers to me are are I mean if, again if if that's your thing if you like to collect variant covers then by all means I I wish you all the enjoyment in the world, um, but personally I think they're a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, they just they're they were it was it was really a cynical way to make money. Agreed. And and that's unfortunate. Um, well, and I think I, we're I, still I, we're still dealing with the fallout for some of that with the speculative market because you know the the comic books that are out there now, you know they're still Marvel especially they're still doing it that way where I'm where sure. they're trying to get it's, you to buy half a dozen in order to get the one. That's never going to go away, unfortunately. Uh, Christopher, yes, uh, the Art of Floor Wonder Girl series, I, I really like that as well. I thought it was a clever way to give us a new Wonder Girl by actually setting her in the Amazon as opposed to the Greek you're going with the, the mm, other. Right. And I, I thought and and quite frankly, I really liked the artwork on that series. I thought it was well written, but the artwork was great. Did you um, see speaking of, did you see the um where was it? Uh, uh, the last day or two. Somebody has taken to Twitter to accuse Joel Jones of tracing uh, yes, somebody else's that. art. I saw that, and that is just—I mean, if uh, the and and folks, um, I, and they make art, a pretty would, good case. Would hardly be the first time that an artist has. At I know, the very least, but I haven't. Been, heard, I, oh, I know. Oh, no, I, I haven't heard, heard of her doing it before. I have not either. Yeah. And and there, I mean, there's, this is again, not the first time that an artist has been inspired by yeah, or blatantly copied, but, and, and I, I saw that, I saw the two side by side and I'm like, Oh wow. Yeah. Um, and okay. Here, here's, here's the thing that I don't know is what timetable did they have to do the job? Right. And, because she's and, she's been laid on some stuff before. Well, and That's yeah, what I hear. And, and I mean the the downside of a monthly schedule or a bi-monthly schedule hmm. uh, on comics is that you're on a schedule. Yeah. And and if you don't stay on that schedule, a couple of things happen. One, your readership notices. My book didn't come out this month. Yeah. You know. Hey, folks, you know, I backed 12 books and I've only got one. The other one's late. Yeah. The, yeah, in, indie, um, the, the indie comic scene has the same problem. Right. And and the thing is, is that um, on the indie level, you have a certain amount. Uh, if it's a one-man shop, one-woman shop. Yeah. You know, somebody a gets bit sick. A little bit more flexibility. Life there. happens. You know, and there's a certain amount of flexibility. 
to a point. Right. If you're constantly late, if the book's never fulfilled, you're going to have problems. But when you're when you're the publisher, when you're a publisher like DC or Marvel or Image or Dynamite or any of these guys, mm-hmm. you're on a schedule. If you slip off that schedule, you're going to have the fans who are going to understand and accept that something happened and my books are going to be delayed. Um, you know, my monthly has become a bi-monthly. My bi-monthly has become a quarterly. Oh, look, it's an annual. Yeah. Um, some folks are going to understand that. But there's going to be folks who are not quite justifiably going to sit there and go, okay, I'm not getting the book I was reading. I've got X amount of money. I'm going over to this book. Yeah. And then this book doesn't get bought again. How often do you think we ought to put out our print magazine? Every six months, every quarter. What should we? I what should we say, try? For? I'd say start with six months just to see. Yeah. First of all, to just gauge interest. I mean, right. let's let's you know the, te- test the waters, right? And then if it's something that you can, we can we can manage realistically again, folks. If you're whatever <laughs> whatever artistic thing you are doing, whether it's writing a book or a short story, uh, being a painter or an illustrator, or comic book writer or comic illustrator or a movie maker or any anything on a creative creative endeavor think about the ways you can help set your not set yourself up for failure yeah don't don't bite off more than you can chew don't don't do reach beyond reach you know reach farther than your than your exceed your grasp but do it thoughtfully yeah. Right. You always want to reach for, for more, but do it thoughtfully and don't 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 set yourself up to fail. Yeah. Um, so as far as as far as avoiding continuity lockout, if you've got mm-hmm. a TV show, depending on how many how many different iterations that you've got, then you've got uh, first episodes, you've got best episodes. There's there's a couple of different ways that you can that you can do that, uh, depending on the show. Um, and then with books, I, I, I always say start with the first book in the series. I think, I think that with the, with the rare exceptions, uh, Terry Pratchett, um, wrote, you know, there's, there's like 30 books in, in the Discworld series. Yeah. And he was very aware that he had actually written him. He had, he had given himself continuity lockout. He had written himself into corners. Um, and so he hired someone to help him keep track of all of that mm-hmm. uh and so but within that series it tells one big story but there's sub series right so there's right. the witches books there's the city watch books there's the the maurice and the amazing rodent uh, uh more kid oriented series um there's the tiffany aching series mm-hmm. so you had starting points within the series that you could read all the tiffany aching books and not read any of the rest of the books. Yeah. The honor Harrington uh, stuff does the same way with the crown of slave stories right. and the Saganami series and, and, and that other stuff. So yeah, it, there, there's always good, good to have more than one place where you can jump in on something. Right. And, and like I said, the, the, the Charles Strauss series that I'm, I'm listening to now, uh, it's the second book in this sort of content. It's a, it's essentially a spinoff series off the main series. Um, it's set in the same continuity, but it's, you know, you you hear about a couple of characters in the other series, and that's it. So yeah. these are all new characters and playing in their own thing. Um, so you have a place to, you don't need to read the original series to to read this series. Um, but I think that that for you know TV, you can binge, right? I mean, you can you can binge a series now. You can go back and watch all of the episodes of Farscape um it's it, they're all out on on dvd there are you can find them on streaming services and uh you can go to sci-fi for me.com and you can listen to almost every one of our shows up through episode 150 because they were all audio at that point there's mm-hmm. two i think there's two that are missing uh, our our very first Batwoman discussion when the when when J H Williams and and the other guys quit because mm-hmm. they wouldn't let her get married, and then right. there's another one and I can't remember which one but there's another one that's gone missing, 
But if you want to binge listen to the H2O podcast from episode one, well, episode zero is on YouTube. Santa is a Time Lord. Then you can pick up on, on episode one as an audio, and they're all through there on, on, on the dot com. And somewhere in there, we jumped over to video, and we haven't looked back. But, uh, but we're, we're going to keep going here. But th- not tonight. We're done tonight. No, no, not tonight. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is going to do it for us. If you are so inclined, you haven't, uh, you haven't subscribed yet, we do invite you to do that. Have your notifications turned on. And you can find us on all the different socials and various different video platforms. There's a newsletter. You can sign up. If you go over to SciFiForMe.com, there's a widget that will pop up, and you can sign up for the newsletter there. If you have material to send us for review, there's our mailing address. And, of course, the tip jar is always open. If anybody ever wants to send us any money, that uh, would always be appreciated, but certainly no obligation there. And that's going to do it for us tonight. Mr. Harvey, thanks very much for being here, sir. My pleasure, sir. And one of these days, we'll both be back in the studio. I know. And we'll do it for real. Or something. I, I feel like spring. Spring is coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's that's it for uh, for us here. Dave, uh, what about Matt Wayne, Christopher? Good to see all of you there in the chat. Uh, and uh, feel Thanks. free to share. Give us a thumbs up on your way out, and uh, we'll do this again next week. Thanks very much for being here, everybody. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2022, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 